All right, good morning, guys. I hope y'all are, y'all are doing well. So this morning you get me. Uh, I'm Joseph, like they said. Uh, Pastor Allen and his family are on vacation, which is a good thing. They, there was a much-needed vacation. I think the, the last vacation they had was whenever the church was right at the cuff, right there, almost done. And uh, he said that was, that was tough because <laughs> he was on vacation, still having to do everything, trying to get the church ready for our first service. So it's a good thing they're getting to do that. Uh, and they'll be back next week. So what we're going to talk about today is really simple. It's really fun. Um, I hope it hits home with you. But it, it's it's called "Where's God in This?" And I'm not talking about like where's God in, in the world around us with everything that's going on. That that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is where's God in this in, in segments of our life, in seasons of our life. And we've all probably asked the question in some form or fashion of where is God? And normally it's whenever you're going through something, you've went through a hard time, you're in that moment and you're just really struggling to see where's God in this? Because I'm not seeing it. David tells us in Psalm 9, verses 9 and 10, he gives us a really quick glimpse into the answer of where's God. And let me read it to you. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never abandoned those who seek you. Let's pray. God, we just thank you again for this opportunity to be able to, to come into your place to worship you. And I just pray that today you make this about you. You, you let nothing in this be about me, God, but 100% that you get glory for it. And if, uh, if today is the last day that you ever allow me, the last time that you ever allow me to speak your word and, God, to try to bring glory to you, I pray that you, you let today be a day that does bring glory to you and Uh, Just soften every heart, God. Open all the ears so that we can have and fully grasp what it is that you have for us today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right. So for those of you on live stream, if you're joining in with us, don't forget if at any point during the service today or at the end of the service, you need to make a decision, whether that's to join the church, whether that's to to make a decision for Christ, or any way that we can serve you or help you, uh, text North Connect to 31996. That's a way that you can get in there. It'll prompt you to our online connect card, and you can fill out any information that that it prompts you to for any decision that you need to make. And we'll remind you about that again at the end of the service. And again, that's North Connect to 31996. Now, uh, what I want to do, I want to go over three quick points, then I want to get the kids involved. So right now, I want to show you what we're going to do and where's God in this. We're going to go through three points. Where's God in the sorrow? Where's God in the supplying? And lastly, where's God in the solitude? See, when I was a little kid, uh, me and my mom, we would, we would play, play games all the time. And one of the things we'd do, we'd go through uh, highlight magazines. Do you all remember highlight magazines? Man, I love those things. I had the hidden pictures and all those things in it. And it was like, I'm going to find the pictures. And we'd race and see who could give them the quickest. Another thing we did was, where's Waldo? How many of y'all remember and have went through the book, Where's Waldo? A few of you? Well, you're about to learn it, all right? So Waldo is this little guy. He's got red and white stripes on his shirt, and he shows up in all the different scenes. So when you go through a Where's Waldo book, one page will be at a beach, and I have all these people, and you're trying to find little bitty Waldo uh, tucked up in there. And the next scene, you might be at like a medieval dinner, and uh, people throwing food, and you get all the Viking helmets and all that. You're trying to find Waldo. And in every scene, there's a Waldo. All right, so what I brought with me tonight, where are my kids? Let me see the kids. Let me know you're here. Kids, where you at? Woo! Yell at me. Kids. Woo! Will's got it. All right, 
somewhere in the sanctuary, in this room right here, I hid a little three-and-a-half-inch Waldo figurine. All right? The first kid that finds this figurine and brings it to me gets a prize. So y'all look around, see if you can find him. I promise it's not hard. It's probably a little taller than most of you, so look up slightly. Somebody's got their eyes on it. Oh, oh, there he went. <laughs> All right, so we've got somebody that found him. Bring him up here real quick. <laughs> Sorry to all the other little kids that have looks of disappointment and defeat on your faces. I apologize for that. Uh, but that's life. Get used to it, okay? <laughs> hey, what's your name, buddy? Cupping. Cupping. All right, man. Well, look, thank you for this. Here's a Where's Waldo book. That's for you to keep, all right? Go ahead and look at it during service and have fun with it. All right. So in the first service, I took the little Waldo man and uh, as a reminder, I stood him on the table, but his little clear thing has disappeared. So we'll have to find that. Y'all don't let me lose that. That's how he stands up. So y'all help me remember to, to find his little stand at some point today. Um, so with that, I, I do want to say, kids, we're glad you're here. They're always welcome in the service. And uh, if, don't mind any distractions or noise they may make. We're all in here together. We, we appreciate them being here. So, so don't, don't be worried about that at all, parents. And uh, we'll jump into this. So point number one, where's God in the sorrow? Where's God in the sorrow? Have you ever walked through a battle or a struggle or a hardship and you can't seem to understand the outcome? Maybe it was one of those moments where your faith is, is putting the fire and it's tested. And, and you really just want to see, you have to see how it comes out. How about the moment when you walk through a situation it seems like there's no good on your end? There's nothing good in this. This moment is terrible. And then maybe you can't even see God's goodness on His end. It's just an all-around bad situation. When I was going through my study and trying to figure this out and seeing, like, where, God, where are you in these times? Where are you in the sorrow? The one person that I could look to was Job. We know the story of Job. We've all heard it. We've all went through it. I'm not going to take you through too much of it, but I want to just jump into a few of the verses and try to wrap this point up. In a nutshell, in the first three chapters of Job, you see that he has everything taken from him. His entire livelihood is, is, is taken. Y'all watch this. The Sabians took his oxen, his donkeys, and they killed his servants in the field. Then immediately after that, fire from heaven fell and burned up all his sheep and even more of his servants. And then the Chaldeans formed a raid and took his camels and killed even more of his servants. And then lastly, a, a windstorm came and hit the four corners of his son's house, which his entire family was in, and it collapsed and killed his entire family. So within a matter of the way you read the, the scripture there, within a matter of just a few verses... You see him lose all of his livestock, all of his servants, his entire family, back to back. And I want, you to take, I want to take you through this. Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. Y'all watch this. Job 1, 20 through 22. 
This is right after he's had everything taken from him. All this stuff happens. It says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. You see Job go through this really, really intense moment where he he loses everything, and then he just turns around and says, that's okay. I'm going to worship you, God. This isn't good, but I know you're good, and I'm going to worship you. The Lord gives, and the Lord has taken away. After this, you see Job get stricken with bulls all over his body. The Bible tells us it's from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. So he's got blisters everywhere. His skin's starting to peel. This is a really bad situation right after all of this happened. And then his wife said to him in uh, Job chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, she says, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of a foolish woman would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? And in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. This was a real struggle for me, because you you see Job just kind of handle it like whatever. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, bad stuff happened, but the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And then more stuff happens, and he gets his body stricken. And he says, well, shall we always receive good, but not evil from God? And as I continued reading through this and looking through it, I found one really neat thing that that just stuck out to me. Y'all have heard the Bible verse that said, God holds you in his hand, and no man can pluck you out of your father's hand. Y'all have heard that, right? Your life is held, if you are a born-again believer, your life is held in the hand of God. And he says, nobody can take that. But whenever you start to read the chapter of Job... When you read the book of Job in the first chapter, you see that all the the spirits of the heavenly realms come together before God, and Satan's in the midst of that. And he asks him, where have y'all been? And Satan says, I've been looking to and fro from the earth trying to find someone uh, to do my stuff to. And God says, have you considered Job? And he says, yeah, but you won't let me have him. And he says, I tell you what, I will give you his livestock And I will give you his possessions. But you can't have any more of Job. You can't have his life. And that stuck out to me because I saw that God has everything that I have in his hand, just like he did Job. But there are pieces that he lets come through his hand and he tests. And he says, will Job continue to worship me if I take out of my hand the thing that I hold of his possession and I give it to Satan to do with as he pleases? And then later on, Satan comes back and they do the same thing. And God says, I'll give you his health, but you can't have his life. I'm still holding on to that. In every situation that passes through our our, our life, in every season that we face, it's went through the hand of God one way or the other. And it may be a situation where he says, I know that it's not going to hurt this, but I'm going to let you have that moment, Satan, and you test it and you push it and let's see what really comes of this man's faith in that moment. We went through that moment. Me and my wife, uh, this was probably the hardest situation that I've ever went through myself. We lost our first child in a miscarriage, which to a lot of people may not seem like much. And to me before, it wasn't that big of a deal. When I heard that somebody had a miscarriage, I was like, oh, that's sad. We moved on. 
until this. Until we lost our first child in a miscarriage, and it broke me to my core. It shook me to where I just couldn't, I couldn't grasp it. I couldn't see any good in this. I couldn't see the outcome being good, and I couldn't see how God was good. Because in my head, in my rationale, I know God to be the giver of life. I know God to be the giver of breath. I know God to be the one that knows me and knows each one of you and knows each child before conception i know that he he weaves them together in a womb i know exactly what god does with children so it really i struggled with it to understand why god the one who does this gave just to take it away he never had to to start the process in the first place he didn't have to start weaving that child together in the first place he never had to even think of that child in the first place much less to give me a glimmer of hope just to rip it from me i didn't understand why i struggled with it not to not to mention the the heartache that it caused my wife and then me as a husband I, we like to fix things don't we men if there's a problem and the wife's upset we want to fix it. We, that's what we do. We want to fix it. In this moment, my wife was struggling with the loss of a child, and I couldn't fix it. There was nothing I could do, and that angered me even more. Not until later on did I understand the good in this. Not until later on whenever I, I worked through it with God, and I really had to struggle with it and to understand why He did what He did that I'm at work and I'm sharing the story because I have to. Ta- talking about it helped me. And there were people at work that would come up to me and they would say, hey, I know what happened. I'm sorry. I just had a miscarriage. What do I do? And in that moment, I realized the good. And I said, God had to take what I thought was nothing. A miscarriage is whatever. And He had to walk me through the pain so that I could then be a minister to others. And the reason that that gives God glory is because I'm able to share Christ with them through their hurt. You see, if I don't go through the struggle, I can't help someone with the struggle. So where is God in the sorrow? He's all up in it. He's up in the very middle of it. Sometimes you just don't see it till down the road. Job gets his family back. He gets a new family. He gets double possessions. He gets everything that he lost back God blesses him again. But in the moment when you're struggling to see the goodness of God, when you're struggling to understand how this thing is good, understand God's going to get the glory for it somehow, some way. And goodness will come out of it. For God says that He works all things for the good of those who love Him. In the moment, it may be bad. In the moment, it may hurt. But just keep hope because God is in the sorrow. God is there the whole time. Point number two. Where's God in the supplying? Now, when I told this to my wife and I said, hey, I'm going to make point two, God in the supplying, she said, supplying? And I said, oh yeah. I would have put, where's God in the provision? Because that, man, that, that's biblical. That's good, right? But provision doesn't start with an S. And I needed three points to start it with an S. So you get where is God in the supplying. And I hope you all like that and don't give me a hard time about it, all right? But where is God in the supplying? Where is God in the provision? Whenever you need Him to show up, where is He at? Second Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 is where we're going we're gonna to land on this. I'm going to read it to you. It's a story about a widow. 
It's a widow who, who, who's running into an issue and she cries out to God. She cries out to God through Elijah for help. So y'all watch this. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. And then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. And then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And she poured as they brought vessels to her. And then when the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There's not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. So this woman has a miracle happen. I take it that when it says that her husband was a servant of Elisha, they probably knew nothing but God. Because Elisha, man, he's a man of God, right? This dude's legit. He had miracles performed through him. He worshiped God in all these different facets. And you see Elisha's life laid out in Scripture, and you go, man, if you're a servant of God, you've got to see God. You got to see him move in so many different ways. So I take it that this widow only knew God. She only knew what he could do. And she's faced with a decision. She's faced with a, with a moment of hardship where the creditors are coming and they're saying, you owe a debt and I don't think you can pay it. You owe a debt and you have nothing in your house, what she says, except for a jar of oil. Give me your two kids instead. Moms. Does that fly? Uh-uh. You don't have my kid. That ain't going to happen, right? So in ver- <laughs> Will. Eh, well, he's got a newborn, so I let him pass. Uh, check out verse 2. Y'all watch this. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in your house? And your, she said, Your servant has nothing except a jar of oil. It's usually the times whenever you have nothing that you see God supply the most. It's usually the times whenever you see that there is no worth anywhere around you for the need that that has to be met whenever you see God supply the need exponentially. This can be true not only in a physical world, but in the spiritual world. Here you see the woman get both needs met. She gets the oil. It's all taken care of. She's able to sell it. God takes care of the current need, which is to pay the debt. And then he fulfills the future need, which is live on the rest. You see, she wasn't, she wasn't even looking for the live on the rest. She just said, the creditors are coming and they want to take my kids and I don't know what to do. God fills that and he says, sell the oil, take care of your debts, and then live on the rest. So she got what she needed plus some because that's what God does. And then I want you to know, whenever you go through these kind of situations, there are different kinds of needs, physical and spiritual, but you always have to take them to God. For instance, if you need to fix a marriage, obviously it's not working the way you're doing it. The only way to go is to turn to God. 
do it his way and watch that he won't fix it. If you need to overcome addiction, God can supply the only way to overcome that addiction. Because if you try to do it yourself, nine times out of ten, you're going to fail. Why? Because we're flesh and we're not good at it. But God says, I'll take what you have, I'll take the struggle, and I'll put my strength in it, and we'll overcome it together. If you have a financial need, that can be met by God. We'll talk about that in a second. If you need help forgiving someone else, man, that hurts so deep. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. I just can't seem to get past it. If you need help forgiving, God can supply the way for you to forgive. And lastly, if you have a weakness, that's where God supplies his strength. You see, God, God is all around us in supply and everything that we need. We may not just look at it really quick. We go, I have a physical need or I have a, I have a financial need where I need the provision of God to show up. But we forget about all the other needs that we might have where God comes in and he supplies exactly what we need in the moment. For us, tell you a story because that's what I have. I have stories of myself and my life and I use it as a testimony to God. There was a time whenever a fourth of mine and my wife's income disappeared. It went away. We lost it. And at that point, we had a small child, the one we have now, and it was tough. Man, it was tough. We, we really, we had, <laughs> we had some hardships there for a little while. I was nervous about it, but I was excited about it. Whenever our income went away, I told Lauren, I said, I'm not too terribly worried. I'm nervous because I see the math doesn't add up. But I'm excited because I get to see what God's going to do. And I was pumped because I knew God was going to do cool things. He's faithful like that. It's just what he does. And I'm here to tell you within a matter of a few months, we started writing them down. Every time a need was met, every time God moved, and within a matter of months, we wrote down 33 separate times that God came in and met a need that we had. One of the most awesome needs that I saw met and this was just, it broke me because it was tough. We had, a, we had a small child. He's about one at the time. He's yay tall. At one, kids are about this tall. I don't know if y'all know that. Um, so we had, we had our child, and he's one. And every season that goes by, first kid, you have to buy clothes, right? Winter comes, guess what? He ain't got no winter clothes because he grew. We got to get him winter clothes. Summer comes, he needs summer clothes. We were in a point to where he was changing, the season was changing. We didn't know how we were going to get him clothes. And that hurt me as a dad because I'm going, (laughs) we got to get our kid clothes. (laughs) But how? And it wasn't long after that that an individual came up and said, hey, I just feel like you need clothes for your kid. And he wrote out a check for $500. He said, go buy clothes for your kids. And we had not told the person. We had not talked to him in any shape, form, or fashion about this. And God met the need. And for me as a dad, boy, it humbled me and it broke me. And it showed me exactly what God can do. That's a financial supply. That's a financial provision. But that's just one of 33 times that we saw God do a work in our life. And I'm telling you... If you're ever in a need of whatever situation it is, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a, 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 an overcoming thing that you have to get through, whether it's forgiveness, God will supply the way for you to do it as long as you seek Him and you trust Him. Charles Trumbull puts it this way. He says, Those who are readiest to trust God 
without other evidence than his word. Always receive the greatest number of visible evidences of his love. When you have nowhere else to go but to God, and you have nothing else to stand on but His Word, it's almost a guarantee that you're going to see His love and His supply and His provision poured out on your life in ways that other people don't. If I start looking for ways that I need to, I need to fulfill the needs in my life, and I look somewhere else but God, I will almost always come up empty. But if I do nothing but turn to God, I will almost always be full. Because He supplies. He provides. That's what He does. It's His character and it's His nature. And lastly, in point three, I want to talk about where's God in the solitude. Where's God in the solitude? 2 Samuel 23 is what we're going to dig into. But I want to tell you a little story. I was reading through 2 Samuel and I got to the point, and y'all may know this, I didn't know it until just a little while ago when I really read through it. David had all his armies, all his men. But King David had a set of men that he called his 30. Did y'all know that? These 30 were his elite warriors. They were the ones that were like, I'm the dude, I'm the man, I am part of the 30, right? They were the warriors. They did some really cool things. But then the group that I would have loved to have been in was within the 30. He narrowed it down to the three. It said, David had his three. And these guys were men. I would have not been in the three, much less the 30, because I'm a sissy. But these dudes, the number one guy, it says that he killed 800 men with one spear. That's legit, right? The number two guy did even cooler things than that. But the bronze medal winner, number three, that's the one we're going to look at. I want you all to see what he does. And I want you to see the, what, what God does in this moment. 2 Samuel 23, verses 11 and 12. It says, And next to him was Shema, the son of Aji, the Herorite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the man... Uh, and the men fled from the Philistines. So all of the, ar- uh, the army of Israel ran. But he, meaning Shema, took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord worked a great victory. You see, Shema was faced with a decision. He was faced with a decision like the rest of the Israelite army. Do I run or do I fight? Do I stand in the midst of the Philistines or do I run away like a coward? And he had nothing but the weapon that was issued to him. And God on his side. And if you go on to read, you see that Shema took his stand in the middle of the plot and he stood. The Israelite army retreats and they run away and the Philistine army's coming in towards them and they're coming and it says Shema stood and he fought and he stood his ground and he battled and he said I will not give up and I will not be defeated and not only did he stand his ground and fight it says later on that he actually gained ground against the Philistine army all by himself So many times, and I, this, is, this is the sad part of the sermon. This is the part that's true, but the part that's rough. There will be a time in your life when you have to face a hardship or a struggle or a situation by yourself. It shouldn't be that way. God didn't create us to do things by ourselves. He created man and he 
gave him a woman because it's not good for man to be alone. But there will be a time when you face a struggle and you have to do it alone. You shouldn't, but you will. The reason being, can I get real with you? Are y'all good with me getting real with you for a second? The reason being, we'll go to church and we'll talk to people and we'll tell them our struggle. We'll tell them what, what's going on. We'll say, man, this is happening in my life and, and I'm really dealing with this. And they'll say, I'll pray for you. And then you never hear from them. A week will pass. Two weeks will pass. Three weeks go by. Nobody checks on you. Nobody says, hey, how's it going with that? Let me help you. Here's a verse. Let, let me talk to you and see, see just how you're getting through this. Very rarely does it happen. And that's a fail on the church. That's a fail on me. That's a fail on all of us. But there will come a point, and everybody can probably vouch for it. You've went through the situation, and you've done it alone. Probably the biggest battle that you have to face alone on a daily basis is the battle within your mind. And that's whenever Satan gets all up in there and he starts telling you, you're worthless. You're no good. You'll never amount to anything. You're not going to get through this. That struggle that you're dealing with, don't even try. Quit trying because you always fail. Why are you even doing it? Why do you even try to read your Bible? You don't understand it. You read it for 10 minutes and fall asleep. You're not even comprehending it. You're not getting anything out of it. Why are you even doing it? Don't try to pray. Your words are just bouncing off the ceiling. God doesn't hear it. He doesn't care. You see, that's a battle you have to face on your own. All the time. But there's always that battle of you're going through something where you need that person beside you. And they're not going to be there. And that's when you have to rely on one person. One thing. And as you'll see as we weave this together, you have to rely on God. When you look at 2 Samuel 23, it says that Shema fought the battle and he, he fought the Philistines and he did what he did and he advances. But then at the very end, you see that it says God brought about a great victory. It wasn't what Shema did. It wasn't the fact that he stood there and fought. He didn't do it physically. It says God brought about the victory. When you're going through what you're going through and you're stuck by yourself because everybody abandoned you and the armies of the Philistines are coming at you, you stand your ground and you fight and you pray and you hope that God shows up and gives you a great victory like He promises to do. It may be that you're fighting for yourself. It may be that you're going, I've got to get through this. Husbands, wives, it may be that you're fighting for your spouse. You may be in that moment where your spouse doesn't see God the way you see God and you're having to fight for your marriage in a way that you never thought you had to. Fight it alone with God because that's where you're at. You shouldn't have to, but if you have to, be prepared to fight alone. It could be dads, moms, grandparents that you're fighting for your kid. Maybe your kid's going off the wayside and they're doing what they're doing and it's not godly and you're trying to talk to them but it's not working. And the world, man, they're, they're giving your kid everything that they need. The world's fulfilling them with what they think they want. You have to stand your ground. You have to talk to God. You have to plead for God. You're fighting a battle for your kids alone. Be prepared to do it. But understand that you're not alone in any of it. Understand that through the whole process, God is right there with you. 
when you look through every point that we made, you see here that in the sorrow, God was there. He, he allowed the things to happen, but He brought about His glory. In the, in the supplying, in the need, in every moment that's going on, God is there and He's going to fulfill that need. And then in the, in the solitude, you feel alone, but just like Shema, the Lord will bring about that great victory. Through all of it, you're never alone. And I want to take you back to what David said in Psalm 9, verses 9 and 10. Y'all watch this. Psalm 9, verses 9 and 10. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. So where is God in this? The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. A stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. So where is God in this? He's right there in the middle of it. He's the stronghold. He's the tower. He's the rock. And it says the Lord has never forsaken those who seek Him. In the sorrow, seek God. He won't forsake you. When the need is there, when you need the supply, seek God because He's there. He'll never forsake you. And in the solitude, when you feel alone, seek God because He will never forsake you. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're going through a situation or a circumstance and there's something in your life that you're just struggling with, you're saying, God, where are you in the middle of this? Where are you in this moment, in this season, in this situation? If that's you and you're just really dealing with it, I, I want you to seek God. I want you to make sure that you, you give God your all because I promise He'll pull you through it. But if that's you and you're in the moment right now, we've got counselors in the back. This is an opportunity for them to talk to you, to help you. This is for you to reach out and say, I'm seeking God. So if you need to speak with a counselor there in the back waiting for you now, don't wait on me to get done. Don't wait on me to pray. Don't do any of that. Everybody's head is bowed. Nobody's looking. If you need to speak with a counselor, you can go ahead and make that step. They're at the back waiting for you. You just get up, walk to the back. But lastly, if you're, if you're one of those that doesn't have Christ in your life, I'm glad you're here. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're the most important person in the room, and we are so glad that you're here because you're about to hear the good news that can save your life. Where is God in this? Jesus Christ, God's only Son, went through sorrow while He was on earth, and God was still with Him. Jesus Christ, God's only Son, had every need met while He was on earth. God was with Him. And Jesus Christ went through major solitude while He was on earth, probably at the time of His need the most. The Bible says that He was arrested and struck it in the face. And whenever the, he, was, he was struck, it says all of His disciples fled and left Him alone. The ones that he counted on, the ones that he had for three years, left him alone. And alone, he went through trial. And alone, he was beaten. And alone, he was put on, his, on the cross with his arms stretched wide. And he cried out. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, I want, you, I want to answer the question of where's God in this? God is on the cross in this. He's sitting there saying, God, God, why have you forsaken me so that... 
you can never be forsaken. He died on the cross to save you from your sin, to save us from our sin, to to pull us back to God, to reconcile us back to Him so that we will never be forsaken. As David said in Psalm 9, verse 10, at the very end, he said, Lord, you never forsake those who seek you. Where is God in this? He died on a cross and he raised on the third day in the form of Jesus Christ, his son, to save you from your sin so that he can be in every facet of your life. So that you can spend eternity with him. And if that's you and you're out there and you can say, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm lost and I I just need to learn more about Him. I need to know more about Him. There's something stirring in my heart that says, I need Jesus. This is your time. This is your moment. Don't wait. Don't stop. Don't, Don't wait on me to do anything. If that's you, there's counselors in the back ready to talk to you. When I get to three, just go ahead and get up. All right, if that's you and you're struggling with it, just go ahead and get up. One, two, three. If that's you, there's a counselor in the back ready to talk to you. And if you're watching with us on live stream, if that's you and you're going through something, please, please contact the church. Fill out the Connect card. Text North Connect to 31996. Let us help you. Let us be able to, to reach out to you, to minister to you in whatever way we can. But please do not let today pass by where you didn't make a choice for Christ if you need to. God, we just thank you for all that you've done for us today. We thank you for this opportunity to to be here with you. We thank you for this chance to be able to to hear what it is that you have for us. And and God, I pray that I I delivered this the way that you wanted it delivered, God, that the message went forth the way that you had it planned, God, that if it was wrong, that your spirit changes it before it even gets to the hearts and the ears of those who heard it, God. I pray that you get the glory. God, give us the strength we need to continue each day, God. Help us to see you in every season and every minute of our life. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to save us from our sin and to reconcile us back to you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Everybody said.